I'm a little extra fired up as we're kicking off a new series this morning. Uh, it is titled, Red Letters, The Words of Jesus. Does anybody love uh, the, those red letters that you find in your Bible? Those red letters are, 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 are different, aren't they? They stand out. It's those red letters that really uh, bring uh, transformational change in our lives. It's those red letters that can, that can really uh, change us and transform us. And it's those red letters, the, 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 those red letters are the words of, of Jesus. And they, they're powerful. They can help change our lives. But they're also insightful because they show us uh, God's heartbeat. It shows us God's will for God's people. As we continue to study them out and to read them and really dive in and see what Jesus said, the things that he said. Uh, and so as we study that and, and read those things, we get to know his heart better and we get to know his will for, for God's people better. And the Lord was showing me it's so important for Jesus to come to earth, not just to die for you and for me, but it was really important because before Jesus came, God's people, man, they were up and down roller coaster ride, right? They're doing right, they're doing wrong, they're doing right, they're in sin, they're out of sin, they're repenting, they're, they're all over the place. And Jesus had to come to restore us to a right relationship. But it was important that he came so that we could, we could be connected to him in a real uh, human way. Because before Jesus came, it was kind of like, you know, they had God's word and God spoke and, and, and they had God's law. But it was kind of like uh, any parents in the house, a couple of you, you know, sometimes you just have to tell your kids no, right? And then they say, but why? And it's like, I said no because I said no, right, as a parent. And what does that do to the child? It, like, it makes them rise up with rebellion almost like, oh. <laughs> This is really where God's people were. God was maybe saying no and saying yes to a lot of things. But it was Jesus who come on the scene. And he began to show us that it, he's not going to just do what he says. He would, he's going to do what he'll He's going to do by his actions. Amen. He wasn't just saying no because he can, which he can. God can do that. But he wanted to show us that he could actually do it and perform his word. Amen. So it helps us connect to him. And the more that we, we study what Jesus has said and we, we do what he said, the more that we will live and look like him. And we need to live and look like him more and more every day. You hear me say it all the time. I want to look more like Jesus tomorrow than I do today. I want to look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. And the more that we look like he looks, and the more we end up living the way that he lives. And then when we do that, guess what happens? The stronger we become. Does anybody need a stronger life? A stronger relationship with him? A stronger family? A stronger ministry? Whatever it is that you need. We need to look and live like he looked and lived. So the stronger we can become. Let's go ahead and look at our first scripture this morning. Comes out of Luke uh, 6, 40, 46 through 49. Some red letters for us this morning. And we're talking about building a stronger life. Let's see what Jesus says on what we uh, have to do in order to do that. So verse 46, it says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Let me stop there a second. <laughs> this could be a whole nother series, a whole nother message. And so it's important, I know that you know, for, for Jesus to be Lord 
over our lives. And not just Lord as Savior. And if He's not Lord as Savior in your life, we can remedy that before we close the service today, amen? But we need to not just have Him as Lord and Savior in our lives, we have to allow Him to be Lord over every area of our lives. We have to invite Him in and allow Him to lead us. But He says, so why do you keep calling me this, Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it looks like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep, say deep, and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground. Without a foundation, when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So if we're trying to build stronger lives, strong relationship with God, stronger families, stronger ministries, we have to do what Jesus says, right? He says if we do what he's saying and we obey him and we live for him, that our houses, uh, your life, that you're, that you're building, it will stand against the tests, the trials, the fiery darts that this world has to throw at it. It will stand against the waves and the wind of the world and the waves and the wind of, of hatred and discord and lies and manipulation. It'll stand. He says, but if you call me Lord, Lord, and that's, that's not true in your life and you don't do what I say, your house is not going to stand. It might stand for a while, but you're just one storm away. You're, you're one windstorm away. You're one, one, one wave away. From falling, from crumbling, from missing the mark, to not having enough hope and strength left in the tank to get back up and keep living for Him. And man, let's look at that first point on our outline this morning. So Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Savior of the world, the King of Kings, and the perfect example of Christianity. The ultimate goal of every Christian is to be like Jesus. I've heard it said that the Son of God, who is Jesus, right? The Son of God uh, was born to be the, the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. That's who Jesus is. He is all these things. He's, he's the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, the Son of Man. He's the Savior of the world. He's the King of Kings. He's the perfect example of, of Christianity, what Christianity is. Without Jesus Christ, there's no Christianity. <laughs> he was the first. If you study the word Christian, it literally means Christ-like. So, uh, as Christians, believers, professors, confessors of the faith, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the perfect uh, Son. He came to live in a body like yours and mine. He, he, he defeated sin. He was... Nailed on a cross and he went to the cross. Nobody took his life. He freely gave it for you and for me. Defeated death, uh, sin, hell, and the grave. Amen. So that we could be a promised eternal life. That's who our God is. And so if, if he's the standard, he's the measuring stick, that's what we got to strive to look and live like. Him. He was perfect. There's only one. But if I, if I give God my best then I can't fail. All you got to do is give them your best. If you're giving them all you got, then that's all you can give, right? 
And so every day as we try to look and live like Him more and more, we have to strive, we have to pursue, we have to fight, we have to pray, we have to fast, we have to love, we have to forgive. We have to do all these things just the way as Jesus did. The same way, to our best abilities. If we're giving Him all that we got, that's all we have to give. And so Lord, we're showing me we have to be, we have to be willing vessels and we have to be instruments of righteousness. We have to be uh, empty so he can fill us up so we can be poured out. We have to allow him to keep filling us up so we can be poured out, so we can be a blessing to the world. We have to be instruments of righteousness. We have to uh, submit our gifts and talents and the anointing that only you have in your life to him so that he can use us and speak through us to transform the world, not just transform you, but transform the world through you. And when, I say when, we allow this to happen in our lives. When we allow him to lead us, he, be, he then becomes our provider, our teacher, our, 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 our master, our leader, our Lord. Not just Lord and Savior, but Lord over our lives. And it's so important that he is and becomes our Lord, not just Lord and Savior, but Lord over our lives. Because if he's not our Lord in our lives, then what or who is Lord in your life? Because if it's not Jesus, King Jesus, this guy I keep talking about, then it's something or somebody else that you're saying is not uh, strong enough for King Jesus to defeat because you're allowing that thing to dictate your life. And so it's very important that we allow him to be Lord in our lives. Let's go ahead and look and see what Jesus says and why this is so important. Let's look at Matthew 6, 24 through 34. It says, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So Jesus says it's impossible for you to have two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. So if Jesus is not the Lord in your life in a certain area of your life, then you're choosing that thing over Jesus. You're not serving or, or, or allowing Jesus to lead you. You're allowing that thing to dictate your life. So we can't have two masters. We'll always favor one more than the other. And Jesus use, uses money uh, or the spirit of mammon in this scripture. And that's very important because money can be one of the strongest uh, temptations to allow to run your life because it's one of the most important things and necessities that we need here on earth. Money is... Uh, it is a tool that we need, right? If you want to live in the world, and especially here in America, you're going to need money. And so we have to be careful that we're not allowing money to, 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 to consume us with worry and, and to, to think about it all the time and just always constantly worrying how we're going to pay this, how we're going to pay that, uh, if we've got enough money coming in. But I want to go ahead and push it a little further because if, if we can't have two masters and we favor one more than the other, it could be, it could be money, but it could be something else like, like drugs or, 
like alcohol or like a relationship. You're allowing that thing to, to, to really control you and to dictate you and, and to allow your to live uh, rent-free in your mind. Instead of surrendering that thing uh, to his lordship and, and allowing him to be where he's supposed to be, which is over that thing. But money, money is, is very important, like I'm saying, uh, and Jesus uses it in this, this illustration. And I can just think of my life, tithing uh, was one of the last things that I actually surrendered <laughs> into the obedience and the authority of the Lord. I've been living for God maybe about, I think about two or three years before I became a faithful tither. And did you know that the Bible says that the tithe is, is, is God's? We're supposed to return what is his back to him. And so the tithe literally means 10%. So 10% of whatever you make, you're supposed to give to God through your church or through, through gifts and through offerings. Mainly, though, the church that you go to, you're, according to the word, you're supposed to bring that into his storehouse, to bring back to what is rightfully his. And I was a giver. I would just spontaneously give. But it wasn't until I actually come under his authority and said, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with this. God, no matter what happens, no matter what breaks down or, or, or this don't work or I need money for this, I've made up not just my mind, I've made my heart up, God, this check is going to you every Sunday, 10% of what I make. Actually, a little bit more than 10%. And when I, when I did that and made my mind up to do that, I could stand here and testify all morning about how blessed I am. I know some of y'all could too. When you do that, when you take that step of faith, and bring that thing into obedience to him. You don't have to worry or stress out anymore. Because he continues to show up. And bless you and show up. And things, now you're not, you're not uh, free from having your stuff break down. It's still going to break. <laughs> we feel like we have a car demon in our family. It's always the car. The enemy attacks us through our car all the time. But we know it's blessed. And we always have more than enough to get it fixed. He says we can't serve two masters. Let's go ahead and look at that first, that next point, sorry. So Jesus said we can't serve two masters. When money is our master, it enslaves us to worry. When God is our master, he liberates us from worry. Whatever, whatever is your master has become uh, your Lord, become your God. And so if money is the thing that is, is, is mastering over you, you're, you're constantly worrying and stressing out about it, you are enslaved to that thing, to money. But when God is our master, he liberates us to, to be free, to not have to worry or stress. As I was sharing, like that, that work that happened through me, I know that has happened through a lot of y'all. Have you ever heard people say, uh, man, I either need a lot of money or I need a miracle? <laughs> <laughs> you heard people say that? It's like, the biggest thing that could happen in your life is a miracle of God, or, or we equate that to a, a, like a, a, a lot of money. You know, a check for $10 million will be good. <laughs> you know, but if you really sit and think about it, man, I want God's miracle in my life. Amen. I want God's miracle in my life. We, you know, we all have blind spots, and that thing that you think you need, you probably don't need. You might need it. But you probably don't. And if I could get that miracle that, 
that I can't see that I need that God's like, man, if this miracle happened in your life, you would just like catapult to the next level. You could go to the next place. You could slay the next demon in your life. You know, I want God's miracle in my life. I don't need just a $10 million check. It'd be nice. But, and if you think about it, money doesn't just fix your problems. Actually, the more money you have, a lot of times the more problems you have. The more things you got to think about and sustain and uh, the more, the more money you have, a lot of times the less happy and less uh, joy that you actually have. You just throw money at stuff. You can fix things and you got a lot of money so people are trying to get at your money. <laughs> there's, not, there's not enough money to fix all the problems in the world. Only Jesus can fix those broken, hurting places in your life. And if you think about it, if money is your master and you're broke, then guess what you're going to wind up doing? You're going to be stressing and focusing on how broke you are and all the things that you don't have. If money is your master. And if money is your master and you're actually doing pretty good, you're just going to sit and think about how can I hold on to what I have? How can I continue to hold on to this? How can I continue to, 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 to keep making what I have because enough is not enough. I need more. I need more <laughs> trying to hold on to what I've accumulated. You know, we have all came into the world uh, naked and without nothing, and we're all going to leave the same way. The same way. Y'all, money is a terrible master. Say terrible master. Money is a terrible master. You'll, you'll stress and worry and think about all the stuff you don't have, all the stuff you need. Enough is never enough. Y'all, but when God is our master, when he's our, our, our leader, our teacher, our God, our master, he frees us to cast all our cares on him instead of trying to maintain everything on our own. We were never made and designed to maintain all this stuff on our own. That's why we need God. <laughs> we need God for that reason. Because we're not designed to be worrying and stressing about those things that we're not designed and operated to be in control over. When you say, God, okay, I can't do this. Something happens, something changes in your life when you surrender that thing, when you surrender to his will and to his ways. And put him back in the rightful place in your life, which is Lord over your life. Let's read Matthew 6, 26-32. Some more red letters for us. Jesus says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable, say more valuable, to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I love, I love Jesus. He just uses so many just great parables and just illustrations that just, just hit it home. He says, think and look at the birds. Are they worrying and stressing out about where they're going to live, what they're going to eat, how they're going to uh, do what birds do? <laughs> he says, no, they, God supplies their needs, right? 
And he says, so if God's going to do that for a bird, even, won't he do that for you who are far more valuable in God's sight, who are created in likeness in his image? And so let me say that we're not supposed to worry, but we still have a job and a duty that we still have to plan and prepare and do things. But we have to trust that he's going to supply our needs. Amen. he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Y'all, worry doesn't add. <laughs> it subtracts. It divides. It destroys. Worrying divides and destroys in your life. When you're worried, when you're caught up worrying and stressing, it divides you, it disconnects you from God. It divides and distracts you from, from relationships. And it destroys the work of God in your life. When you're worrying and stressing, fussing about about things that we're trying to control over. And worry is a scheme of the enemy that robs you from the blessing of God. You better believe that if the enemy can keep you in a place of worrying and stressing about all this stuff going on, about how it's going to work and play out, then he's, he's really made you, pushed you to a place where you're not doing anything and the enemy wins. The enemy wins when we're stuck in this place. And worry is just that. It takes our it takes our focus off of him and it puts our focus on us and our circumstances. And we make ourselves Lord and we make ourselves God. We make ourselves master when that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be surrendering those things to him and trusting in him and his way and his timing and his, his will. Verse 28, it says, And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, say unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Y'all, unbelievers worry. The Lord was showing me that worry is the exact opposite of faith. You cannot be stuck in a place of worry and be uh, filled with hope uh, and knowing it and dependent on God in the same place. Worrying is the exact opposite of faith. You can't do both. And Jesus says that the unbelievers struggle with these things. Worrying about uh, how my bills are going to get paid. Worrying about how I'm going to eat. Worrying about what I'm going to wear. Worrying about what Christmas presents I'm going to have to get for my kids. Right? We're about to enter into to this new season of Thanksgiving and holidays. And we start stressing and worrying about all these crazy things that we don't need to be worrying and stressing about. Unbelievers worry. It doesn't take any faith to worry. It's the exact opposite. Y'all, we have to stop worrying and we have to start trusting. We got to start trusting more. We have to trust that he is our father, that he is our God, that he has our backs, that he will do what he said he was going to do. You got to know who you are in Christ, that you are a son, that you are a daughter, 
Amen, that he, that he loves and cares about you. Let's look at that next point. Jesus said, don't worry about everyday life because God loves us. He knows our needs and he takes care of his own. Don't worry about everyday life. He loves us. He, he takes care of his own. I mean, but I get it. We live in a pretty fast-paced world. There's a lot of stuff going on. We have activities. We have school. We have practices. We have ministries. We have all this stuff. But y'all, when we engage in stressing out and worrying, we're, we're not in a place of faith. We're in a place of disbelief and doubt. We say that this thing is, is, is controlling my life to the extent that I'm not going to God. I'm not going to the Father. I'm not praying about this stuff. I'm not believing that he's going to help me, that he's going to get me through this, that he's going to take care of the things that I need him to take care of for me. He knows our needs. He takes care of his own. Let's read Psalms 23.1. I love Psalms. King David here, uh, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, y'all know the scripture. I have all that I need. David recognizes and sees uh, who, who his provider is, right? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, my sustenance. He cares for and takes care of me. Even though right now in this season, in this place, I don't have what I need, but God, I know that you can supply uh, my needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And don't we, even as sinners who fall fallen short of the glory, uh, who struggle with worrying and all this, this stuff that we're talking about, but don't, don't we even instinctively know how to take care of the ones that we love? Take care of your kids. Take care of those people that we care about. Uh, and love, we instinctively know how to do that, right? So how much more does God the Father know how to, to instinctively care for you? To love and supply you with everything that you need. You better believe he does. The Lord was showing me as I was studying this, not only did David recognize all that the Lord was his shepherd and he supplies him with all that he needs. But really that the state of the flock was equated to the care of the shepherd. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? David recognized that the state of the flock was equated to the care of that shepherd. So if you think of a real shepherd who takes care of sheep, you know, he's, them sheep don't have to worry about anything because that shepherd is taking care of them. They're going to lead them to where they're supposed to go. They're going to feed them. They're going to give them water. They're going to do all the stuff for that sheep. And those sheep that have a really good shepherd, they, 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 they know that they have all the, the love, the joy, the peace that they need in their lives because that shepherd is taking care of them the best that he knows how. So do you all know that Jesus Christ is our shepherd, right? He is the shepherd we are his sheep. And so the, the sons and daughters, uh, Christians, believers, who have the most joy, the most hope, the most peace, the most love, the most grace, the most forgiveness, the ones that just envelop who Jesus Christ is, they know who their shepherd is because he's supplying them with their needs. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? 
So if you're not experiencing joy or peace or, or all these things in your life and all you do is stress, stress and fuss over all this stuff, you've lost sight and forgot who your shepherd is. He's got you. It's not his fault. He's done everything that he possibly can in your life to get you where you're supposed to go. It's probably our fault. We've dropped it. We've missed it somewhere. I've heard it said, you know, you drive cattle to get them to where you want to go, but you don't drive sheep. Did you know that? Shepherds do not have to whip their sheep to get them where they go. They, they follow the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said that my sheep, no one hear my voice and they follow me. So if you feel like God is just beating you on the back, getting you to do what you think he wants you to do or get you to go where he wants you to go, that's not God. That's not God. You're feeling extra anxiety and stress that God did not put there on you. God will tell you, if you love me, follow me. If you want this in your life, come check me out. Listen to what I'm saying. Follow me. If you believe, come see. If you think I can't, follow me. Amen. His sheep know his voice. And so as his sheep, we got to know that he's our shepherd and we have everything that we need. Let's read Matthew 6, 33 through 34. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything. Say everything. You need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough. Don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough troubles in its own, he says. But first, seek ye the kingdom of God and live, right, excuse me, live righteously, and he will bless you with all the things that we need. And so if all we do is worry about tomorrow, you know, that means we probably haven't begun to seek him first. And even worse, if all we're doing is worrying about the things of the past or yesterday, which is a real waste of time, if you're worried about the stuff that's already happened that you can't change, it's one thing to worry about stuff that's in the future that you can see, but that's a, a real waste of time is worrying about things we can't even change that have already happened. But if all we're doing is worrying about these things, y'all, I can guarantee you we have not slowed down, we have not sit and soaked in his presence we have not seeked the kingdom of God. And it's so important. That's why we have to have our, our quiet daily time. We have to have our prayer time. We've got to be reading our Bibles every day so that we can sit and seek his kingdom, so that we can live righteously, have, have hope, have love, have joy, have peace, so that, that we can know and believe that everything that we need, he'll give us. And so I want to ask you a question. So if you don't have all the things that you need in your life. If you are really struggling and really going without and you've, you've maybe went to God with some of this stuff but you don't have the things that you need, maybe it's because we don't have them because we're not seeking his kingdom. Maybe it's because we've, we've took control of that thing ourselves. We haven't, seek, we haven't uh, sought his kingdom. Or maybe we, we don't have the things that we need because we didn't do the last thing that he told us to do. And we keep wondering why this thing hasn't happened in our lives or why, 
we're not, we don't have the stuff that we need. Maybe it's because of our own disobedience. Imagine that. <laughs> Maybe that's why. And we're, we're sitting and getting mad at God thinking, why haven't you done this yet? I've been doing this, and if we really stop and think, no, you know what? <laughs> I haven't saw his face at all. At all. And I'm actually mad at him because he's not doing this thing in my life, and I'm not doing the one thing he asked me to do. Well, the two things he asked me to do. Seek first his kingdom, do what he says, live righteously, or do what he says, and then know and believe that he'll give me everything that I need. Y'all, he's a good shepherd. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you those things. We got to stop worrying, y'all. We got to start, start trusting him more and serving him more. Can we get the worship team, have y'all start making your way uh, if you're in here? We got, uh, let's look at this last point for today. We got one more point uh, before we get ready to close and go to a, uh, one more s- song of worship here. <clears throat> so Jesus said, that last point, seek uh, first the kingdom of God, live righteously, and God will give you everything, say everything, everything. that you need. God's provision, protection, and promotion are the blessings we receive when we serve God. If y'all are taking notes, go ahead and put a slash right there at serve and put trust. Because God's provision, protection, promotion are the blessings we receive. Not just when we serve God, but when we trust God. So stop worrying and start living life God's way. Y'all, I get it, man. We can... We can get stuck at, at this place of, of worrying and stressing. But y'all, we just read it a little earlier. When we stress and we worry, y'all, we are living, we're not living by faith. We're living by doubt. Uh, it's the opposite of faith. Unbelievers act that way. Unbelievers do this. And so we got to start living, start trusting him more, and start living God's way. And y'all hear me say this all the time. The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. <laughs> and so... The things that you need in your life, we need things in our lives, I get it. We have things that we want too. And so in order to attain those things that you need, that you want, the things that you you can see, you have to serve and trust the God that you can't see. I get it. It's upside down and backwards. To get the things that you can see, you have to serve and trust the God that you can't see. But I'm here to tell you, he's faithful, he's able and willing to bless you. But in the midst of it, as we're trusting and serving, it's upside down and backwards. In order to, uh, to lead, you're going to have to serve first. Jesus said, I come not to, not to be served, but to serve, right? And so if, if it's, your, it's your desire to lead people one day, well, you're going to have to lower yourself and start serving people first. You don't get to just stand here and say, oh, yes, shine my shoes first. Yes, yes. Or get the, the power and authority and the perks of what people think leading people is all about. And it's nothing of the, of the sort. You have to serve people first to be a leader. We have to give uh, first in order to gain. You can't give away anything you haven't attained first. So the things you want, you have to, you have to be a giver first. You have to uh, submit your gifts and talents and the anointing that only you have under him first. Before you can begin to gain. It's upside down and backwards. Y'all, we have to, we have to continue to bless other people when, when other people are cursing us or coming against us. It's upside down and backwards. 
You have to love people where they're at. Jesus was betrayed by, by Judas. And I, he's a far better man than I am. He's, he's the son of God. Imagine that. But y'all, I believe it without a shadow of doubt in my heart that he still loved him with all his heart, even though he betrayed him and turned him over. Y'all, and we have to love uh, when people hate us. And we have to do good, continue to do, do good when we've, been, we've had wrong done to us. <laughs> Jesus said, turn the other cheek, right? Jesus said, go the extra mile. Back in the day, the, the Roman soldiers, when they were marching anywhere, and they come a, across the village or town and there was any Jewish people, it was the, the, the Roman law that the Jewish people had to tote all the Roman soldiers' stuff for one mile. What they used to do is when they get, they'd mark, make a marker, and as soon as they got to the one mile, they'd drop it, and they were done. Jesus said, yeah, we need you to go an extra mile. Jesus said, do the extra mile. Take, take their stuff one mile, and then go another mile. It's upside down and backwards. Living for God. Living for Jesus. It's been said also that God doesn't uh, just choose who he's going to bless no more than the, the, the sun in the sky chooses who it's going to shine on. Has anybody ever heard that? God wants to bless you no matter what you're doing, even in your disobedience. God, God doesn't just see uh, Ian up here and say, oh, he's the pastor of a church. I'm going to bless him. He's doing a real work in the kingdom of God, so he deserves my blessing. And then he sees you and he's just like, oh, now you're... You don't deserve my blessing. That's not how it works. The sun is in the sky, right? And if you go to the beach, we just come back from the beach a couple weeks ago, you can enjoy its, its blessings. You can sit in the sun and get a nice tan and get kind of heated up and then go swimming and come back and do the same thing. Or you can sit in the shade and not, not, not enjoy the sun, right? God's blessing is the exact same. You can position yourself in the right place to receive his blessings or y'all can sit in the shade. It's all about your position in Christ. And I got good news for you. If you're here this morning sitting in his house in those seats, your position is in a pretty good spot right now. You're where you're supposed to be today. But Monday morning's coming, y'all. So where's your position going to be tomorrow morning to receive his blessings? It's not that he doesn't want to bless you. There's something that we got to do to position ourselves. So the question is not, will God bless you? He'll bless you, trust me. I can stand up here and shout and preach all day that he'll bless you if you do what he says. The question is, will you position yourself to receive that blessing in your life? Y'all, he has the floodgates of heaven ready to pour out on you in your life and your spirit and your family and your ministry. Everything that is your bubble. Now we were talking about uh, the last four weeks we're all about framing our, wor our worlds with our words. And now this morning we're, we're looking at red letters. How, how much more important is it that we not just frame our, our worlds with our words but we could frame our worlds with Jesus' words. Your life can change y'all. You can begin to frame your, wor your world not just with your positive words, but with Jesus' words, his red letters, y'all, your house is going to stand. It's going to stand. Amen? Can we go ahead and get the, the lights dimmed down a little bit?
I want us just to, uh, let's just sit and soak in his, his presence right now here in this moment. I'll just ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. I said earlier at the beginning of this message that Jesus is not more than just Lord and Savior of your life. If he's not Lord over your life, then that means something else has moved in and is, is lording in that area of your life. So if that's not Jesus, who and what is it? Who and or what is it is that thing? And if there is something that the Lord showed you this morning, I want you to acknowledge it now. I want you just to repent and say, God, forgive me. God, I give this to you. God, I want to position myself where I'm supposed to be. God, so that you can begin to work in my life. You can begin to be Lord, not just Lord and Savior, God, but Lord over my life. So I want to go ahead and let us pray together. Father God, Lord, we we thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your red letters that are not just just, just words or letters, God. They're special, God. They're the the words spoken from your son. God, And I, I pray and believe that they can pierce, God, the hearts of men, the sons and daughters, God, your sons and daughters. Father God, so as we're sitting here thinking, praying, sitting, soaking in your presence, God, I pray a real repentance happens and takes place. God, as we release and surrender these things, God, if it is money, God, if it is a relationship, God, or if it's drugs or alcohol, God, something, God, that we are saying by allowing it to dictate our lives that it's, that your blood is not sufficient enough to, 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 to uh, defeat and battle this thing. But God, we believe and know that your blood is sufficient enough. God, so we have, we have literally applied your sacrifice, your blood into our lives. Now in Jesus' name. I want to ask everybody to continue just to remain in a place of prayer. If you are here this morning and you have never uh, surrendered your life to God, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'm sitting here talking about Jesus being Lord and not just Lord and Savior, but, but Lord over lies. If he's never been the first part, he's never been Lord and Savior in your life. And you know right now if something was going to happen to you, you and God ain't right. I want to ask you to do something here in a moment, and your life can change today. Y'all, nothing might change instantaneously on the outside, but on the inside of you, you can have the most love, joy, and peace that you've ever felt in a long time because you can know that you've You've been right with God because you've accepted his perfect, pleasing gift, which is his son, Jesus. We call it being born again. You can literally be born again, changed and transformed today. And if that's you and you know it's you because your heart is probably going, beating outside of your chest right now. Because you don't know what I'm about to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do something simple. It might be one of the toughest things you've ever done. I want you to know that no one's... Looking, everyone's got their eyes closed, heads bowed, everyone's praying, probably for you right now. What I want you to do is to simply stand up right where you're at. You say, why do I have to stand? I ask you to stand because if God is doing something in your life right now, if he's speaking to you this morning, he's, he's tugging on you right now and you know it's you, you got to do something. 
and, and if Jesus died for you, you can stand up. You can stand up. So if that's you, I'm going to give you a few more moments. Don't let this moment pass you by. If that's you today, a few more moments to stand. Amen. Well, with that, I want to go ahead and let's, I want to ask everybody to stand, stand collectively as a church. We're going to go ahead and get ready to enter into a time of worship for one more song before we're dismissed. I want to ask any of our leaders uh, that are here in the sanctuary to come up front to be available for prayer. Uh, this altar is open. It's always open, but it's open now. If you, want, if you need prayer for anything in your life, come and you can pray uh, by yourself. But I really encourage you to find somebody to pray with you. Somebody who will come in agreement on your behalf. Amen. So this altar is open.